We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast, Watford 1, Newcastle 1. You've got myself, Alex Hurst, and Pete Davey to talk you through what happened, why it happened, and what happens next. Pete was in the away and for us at Vicarage Road. I watched the match on a, on a stream. And before we start the podcast, I have, have to give you the message that you can get this podcast ad-free, plus loads of other Newcastle United podcasts on our Patreon platform, www.patreon.com forward slash TF podcast to help support this podcast and keep it going. Hundreds of you already do, and we're very grateful. And with that said, Pete, we'll move on with the show. Big game yesterday for lots of reasons. The narrative is a little bit different to most of this season, certainly. But to be honest with you, most of Bruce's tenure here, and that is for once, Newcastle dominated large parts of the game. Should have maybe scored three at least, maybe four, there's an argument. My first question to you is, does it make a difference? Newcastle have failed to win again. No wins in six. Three points of out out of eighteen. It's a it, it's been a kind start fixture wise. It has been a kind start. Does the performance and does the fact that it was different make any difference to you at all in how you feel about this manager and this team at the minute? Um, Alex, it's it's a great it's a great question. It's a great question, and I think kind of my my answer is sort of split into two parts. The performance yesterday and the result doesn't change any way, shape or form in the way in, in which I feel about uh, our manager. Um, our manager's not good enough. Uh, he needs to leave the club. That, for me, won't change. And anybody that's known me that support Newcastle over the years, I've always been very much supportive of our managers, even under the down times of, of Alan Pardew um, and various other managers, Steve McLaren. I want I want Bruce out. It was very very clear to see very early on, uh, even in his first season, that, it was, that he wasn't good enough to manage his club. Last season, he should have been sacked. This season, he should be nowhere near this club, and it won't change. Doesn't matter how many points we get on the board. Doesn't matter how many wins that we get. He is not the right manager for this club. So that won't change. The result didn't. Uh, the result and the performance didn't change that at all. Um, however. Uh, I can see from the performance and the result yesterday, the result doesn't necessarily reflect it, but I can see that there are some players improving. 
uh, in this team. There are some players that are, uh, whether it's that they're building fitness or whether they are building confidence um, by playing more minutes, that you can see that there are sort of little chinks of light starting to appear uh, with certain players. And for that, I hold a little bit of confidence that the tide will turn. Now, you've made a really good point as well in that, you know, our fixtures have been very favourable. Um, and uh, I had a conversation with um, one of my good friends who I travelled up with yesterday um, about this, in that when you don't get results against the teams that you're expecting to, Watford being one of them, you then have to go and do the unthinkable, which, which is getting results against teams that you're not expected to get results against. And that therein lies the problem, because we have a mentality in that we don't tend to get those type of results or, uh, you know, not not very often in, in a season. So it does put a hell of a lot of pressure on us um, going to the season ahead. Um, does it make a difference overall? Yes, we get a point. It's one point you know, better off than we were Saturday morning. But you look at the way in which the game is played, um, it should have been three. And how we didn't get three, I'll never know. Yeah, well said. And I think that 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 is the, the issue, isn't it? And you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't change the way I think you, you and lots of Newcastle fans feel about the current manager. I think the fact that we've turned up in the last game in three quarters and look like a football team we've looked like a football team you know if you look at the uh the game against well the, the second half against west ham the full game against villa which i'm going to come back on to later because bruce has made some comments about that, that i completely disagree with mm. and nearly well, definitely the first half against southampton we, we weren't in those games we weren't it wasn't it wasn't a game it wasn't a game we couldn't give those sides a game you know the last 30 against man united as well um but yesterday, all game, all game, um, we were the better side, arguably, I think. And that's that's very rarely happening with Steve Bruce. We're, what, we're like 95 games into his managerial career at Newcastle, 84 league games, something like that. It's very rarely happening to Steve Bruce. But I, I put this to you, Pete. That kind of game yesterday, when Bruce was appointed, I thought that was the kind of game that was going to define his time here. I thought he'd come in. He constantly talks about playing two wingers, two proper genuine wide men. He likes playing two strikers. He likes playing four at the back. And I just feel a little bit, its you get these kind of gloves are off statements from Steve Bruce, where everything gets so bad. And, you know, let's look at when, okay, season 19, 20, the period uh, after Christmas, you know, the team stunk the place out. Horrific performances against, against Norwich, against Palace, against Arsenal. Bruce almost has to kind of shock himself into playing four at the back. What happens, I think we'll win five of the next 12 games. Good form for Bruce before he reverts back to, for whatever reason, the back five. He starts last season uh, with a back four, starts okay against West Ham, and then very quickly reverts to a back five. So it's almost like when things get really bad, gloves are off Sheffield United away performance, for example. He comes back and he's like, actually, no, this is the real me. This is the real us. But, but my question to you is, I mean, you could completely disagree with that, which is fair enough. My question to you is, is, is this is this the real Steve Bruce? Is this the real Newcastle United under him? Or is it a is it another temporary I mean, I'm I'm being kind calling it an improvement because it's it's a one-all draw at Watford who are a, a, a poor side and, and I think we'll get relegated this season. I could be wrong, of course. Um like w- do you think this is us here to stay, or do you think this is 
us here for the next couple of games. And if we don't win, you'll try some other mad combination. Like, what, what do you think has happened? Has there been a defining sea change in Newcastle United and see Bruce Wars? There's just more of the same throw a load of shit on the wall and hope it sticks. Um, it's exactly that, Alex. Throw a load of shit on the wall, hope that it sticks, praise that it sticks. And if it doesn't, we'll just change it and try something different. Uh, Steve Bruce, um, the, the real Steve Bruce, the real Steve Bruce is one win in 21. That's that's Steve Bruce in a nutshell. And I'm not just talking about Newcastle United, I'm talking about Aston Villa. You know, I'm talking about Hull City. I'm talking about Birmingham. I'm talking about, you know, Sheffield Wednesday. I'm talking about Sheffield United. I could go on. Wigan. I could go on, you know, all of those clubs would have experienced exactly the same as what we've experienced. That is the real Steve Bruce. And that is why we as fans are still absolutely like, probably in shock still that he's even manager of this club because he is nowhere near good enough to be a Premier League manager, let alone a manager of this club, a club that he quite openly said didn't want to manage when he took the job at Sunderland. You know, uh, it, it's it, it, he. You know, he he must wake up thinking it's his birthday uh, every day, knowing that he's a manager of a Premier League club, um, and this will be the last Premier League club that he manages. So he's going to try and hold on to it um, in any way he can. Uh, and that goes back to the points where he says, you know, the gloves are off. I'm going to do it my way. He talks about these uh, various different things that he's going to do, and it's all for reaction. It's all for effect. He doesn't mean it. He doesn't even, you know, he doesn't, he, I don't think there's an element in which he believes it himself, but he has to say something when the media question him on what he's going to do next, because the reality is he doesn't know what he's going to do next, because if for the most part, particularly when it comes to the team and the way we set up and the way we play, I don't believe that he has much of a say in that. I think he leaves that to other people. And I think that was a big reason why Graham Jones came in. I think he picks the players. I don't think he picks the, the the formation and the style of play because ultimately he hasn't got one. When have we had an identity as a, as a team? When have we had a way of playing, a style of playing? You know, you look at other teams. You know, you look at, even you look at your Southamptons. I've just seen a stat of Southampton that they've won the least amount of games in 2021. But yet to look at them as a team and the way they play, you can see an identity. You can see, uh, uh, you know, the ethos within the team and, and the manager and what he sets out for his players. We've got better players. We've got good players. We've got better players than Rafa Benitez had. But at least with under Rafa Benitez, we had a way of playing. So uh, do I think this is it? No. Um, I go back to 2019 and I can remember Steve Bruce banging on week after week in each one of his presses, telling us that he didn't want to play five at the back, that he's a four at the back kind of manager. That's what he wants to do. But he felt he had to because he had players there that were suited. So we then eventually, in early 2020, changed to four at the back. And we have a decent run of a few games before lockdown hits. But as soon as that back four goes wrong, what does he do? Reverts back to the back five, a formation that apparently he doesn't want to play. If you're a manager and you're trying to enforce your, your style of play and your ethos or your identity on a team, you will go for it at the back and you will make it work. You will coach those centre-backs and apparently he's coaching them. I don't really know whether that's a good thing or not, if I'm honest with you. 
You know, you would you would coach them, you would drill in a new formation, a new style of play, a new identity. But he doesn't know what that is himself. So he just reverts back to within the two types of formations. And he will continue to do that. He'll stay four at the back until we lose or get hammered. And then you'll quickly, quickly, very quickly see the back five come into play again. And we then revert back to tight. Brilliant points. And and I want to talk about the context of the result because Newcastle have gone into the last two games against two struggling sides. Um, you know, Leeds are now one of the favourites for relegation. Watford are one of the favourites for relegation alongside Newcastle, of course, currently. Um, and it's two points from six. And there's, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. You know, Newcastle created far more chances yesterday than, than Watford. Um, apart from the first minute, I don't think Darla really has to make a save, apart from the save right at the end from Sissoko, which ends up being put away offside. Um, against Leeds, uh, Leeds first half had lots and lots of chances for to put the game up, but a bit like us yesterday, really. And I just, I just start to think it's looking a bit like relegation. And I've always been pretty, even under Bruce, apart from the, the, the run last season, 1920, I never thought we'd get relegated. I didn't want Bruce here, but I never thought we'd get relegated. Too much experience, too much defensive solidity, good signings in the in the shape of St. Maximin. Um, I, I think back to, to season 15, 16 in particular, and season 08, 9 when we went down, and the hallmark of a bad side is playing well and not winning, particularly against teams in and around you. Rem- that this game reminds me a little bit of we played Stoke at home in uh, in. Oh, maybe September, October 2015, um, uh, under McLaren, battered them. Missed chances, Jack Butland, man of the match, save of the century, all this kind of stuff. And then that was kind of used as a, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll take this moving forward. Look at us, we're battered. Stoke, who were okay at the time. They were still bottom half side. We should have won the game. We didn't. And I, I think back, there's lots of games that season like that, but also look back to 08-9, Bruce's, was it? No, it wouldn't have been Bruce's Wigan. It might have been Bruce's Wigan. An 089 Compass St. James's Park, 2 0 up, uh, concede two read late goals, Titus Bramble scores, I think, in the last minute, an equaliser for them. And it's like, actually, when you're watching a team who rarely play well, play well and not win. And if you look at the second half against Leeds and you look at nearly the whole game yesterday, I don't I don't quite take the positives that, oh, well, it was much better, so it will lead to these good things. I take the positives that we play rarely so well under Bruce that when we do play well and we do create chances not to win the game is kind of as big a concern to me as when we don't play well and don't pick up points because I look at yesterday's performance and then I look at what we've been told by, you could argue, the wider media, people who are back Bruce, the friends of Steve Bruce and the media, who for a long time have said, yeah, it's not pretty, but it's effective. Yeah, you only have one shot on goal again, but you score. What you what you're complaining about, he gets the results. But now, the last two games, the last game and a half, it's, it's end-to-end, isn't it? It's exciting. You're not, you're not getting the results, but God, it's exciting to watch. It's like, no, you can't, you can't have both. You, ha- you, can't, you can't say Newcastle are this like, horrifically effective side that go to Spurs last season, have one shot in the 94th minute and get a point out of it and say, well, that's worth it because you get the point to you dominate a game, you miss an open goal. Their goalkeeper, I mean, you could argue makes a big mistake for our goal, good strike as it was. Um, he keeps them in the game, and you only get one point from it. I just, I just can't. Those both of those things can't be true. And that, that I think proves your point that there isn't any master plan there. Like you say, Southampton, 
Leeds are good examples of, of poor teams. Poor Leeds were good last season, but poor teams that at least if the plan doesn't go well, the plan might work next week. With Newcastle, there isn't a plan. It's yeah. a shit. We haven't won a game. Let's let's drop the five at the back. It's um, right. So Maxman's our best player. We're going to play him up front, and he's just going to have to do it all himself. There isn't there isn't a plan there, and I think I think. The arguments that Newcastle have been good under Bruce, and there are people who make, make that argument. I don't agree with that argument. Newcastle, or Bruce has done a good job, should I say, up until this point of being exposed by the complete batshit stuff that we're seeing in front of us. And like, you know, for Bruce to stand there at the end of the games, he did it last week. I, I sent Norman a text uh, yesterday straight after the game saying, guarantee you Bruce will say he enjoyed that game. Like it matters, but I couldn't care less whether the manager or any of the coaching staff enjoyed it. If we win, great, we'll all enjoy it. But a point at Watford, mate, let me ask you about the context. And a point at Watford, before the game and, and having watched the game and been there, good point, bad point, what did you make of it in, in terms of where our season is? Um, so it's really simple uh, for me. If you'd have asked me before the game, I'd have snapped your hand off for a point. We, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't get points from there, but very rarely do we even play well there. So I wasn't expecting anything really going down there. It was it was a case of you know it's more it, as it always is under Newcastle. It's more hope than than actually you know we are actually going to go and do something. So you know I wasn't I I wasn't holding my hopes out for for anything. And as you mentioned after the first minute where where Darlow pulls you know a half decent double save off. It, I mean there was never really any conviction in the shot. It never really looked like it was going to go in. But two double quick double saves, you think, well, this could be a difficult game here. On the base of the play, you know, we should have taken three points. It's quite simple. We we should have had three points in the bag. How we've come out of that game, um, you know, only taking a point, I have I have no idea. You know, all of the threats, all of the the the, the concerns that we had around Watford with Ishmael Assar, with, with Dennis, with Suzoko, uh, with Kutska um, as a defensive midfielder. We we managed to marshal them really well. Uh, you know, I can't I can't fault the players really because I thought they played really well and they played like a team that should have picked up three points. But you've made a great point in that we've we're you know in the grand scheme of things it means nothing because we're not getting points on the board. You know, already we're looking around and hoping that Wolves lose today and that, um, you know, that it was great that West Ham beat Leeds. So it put, put us up the table by one goal. You know, it's these kind of things that we're looking at. And it's like, we're still in September. You know, we're not even in the bulk of the season yet. And we're already banking on teams dropping points to make our situation look a little bit less shit. And that's just the reality of it. Um, so it's all right having a good performance. But the, just to elaborate on what you were saying, I think you make a really good point with regards to Bruce and his identity and, um, and not knowing what he's doing. I think this is, this is the whole point. Because I'm looking at the performance and, I, you know, the, the fans clapped the players off and gave them, you know, they really backed the players. We'll talk about the fans in a little bit. And I couldn't help but think, those boys played well today. They left it all out there. They were they left everything on the line. They were willing to put their bodies on the line. They were they they, they were shattered. They gave everything for ninety four minutes of that game. 
But the problem is, I would be okay with that going into the next couple of games, going into Wolves next week and beyond a, a shaky Tottenham at the moment, coming to St. James's Park. I could be okay with that. But we're not guaranteed to get that performance again. We don't know that when we turn up at Molyneux next week, that they're going to put that same performance in. And that's because of the manager. The manager doesn't instill anything in which, in which we are allowing ourselves to have a little bit of consistency. You know, we're talking about players having decent games, but again, we've only got two points on the board from them. That's not enough. It is not enough. And when we can't guarantee that we're going to get those same performances every week, you've got problems. And like you said, it's 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 relegation really, really, and I know it's in September, but it's really staring us in the face more so than ever. And if you look at our relegation, um, our last two relegations, they come within four or five year periods. And we're in yeah. that period now. Yeah, that's a great point because I've, I've looked at that pre-season and thought, the most consecutive seasons actually done is five in the Premier League, yeah. and we're in the fifth season. <laughs> so, Bruce, you know, Bruce, if he did keep us up this year, if he's let go and someone else keeps us up, it would be a record for Ashley. Um, you know, on, on the relegation thing and the kind of things that we recognise from relegation, you know, you have to look at the fact we can't keep a clean sheet. You know, for all that we deserve to win yesterday, we could have lost if Josh King is a little bit more switched on and holds his line and is looking across the, the line of the defence, you know, that goal goes in and, and Watford win the game. There was potentially a little bit of luck with Cardalo cleaning out one of their lads, which watching live was very much like you've seen them given it. As it happens, it got given as a free kick today, but it is it is Darlow who cleaned the player out. Um, you know, so it's it's a concern. And this this is the problem. This is the position that Bruce finds himself in. And any other week we should be doing this podcast or any other club we're doing this podcast talking about improvements, talking about um, positives, talking about things that we want to see in the future and taking, you know, I think Newcastle now, what have we lost? One in four, one in five, if you include Burnley, because we lost at Man United, but you've got Burnley, Southampton, Leeds and and uh, Watford yesterday. Yeah. And, and But it's, it's so hard to find those positives when you know we could go to Wolves next week and just get turned over. And in addition... We might talk about it a little bit later. But I just thought Watford, Watford were just were just there. They just they just looked like a championship team. And that yeah. that that game yesterday reminded me of a lot of games in the championship. The end to end nature of it, the huge gaps in midfield, the lack of quality in the box, that kind of defines the difference between the championship and the Premier League. But we're going to finish things for for part one. There, we're going to move on to part two of the show right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's part two uh, of our view of Watford 1, Newcastle 1. Let's talk about the team and let's talk about uh, the formation, Pete. What did you make of the team selection yesterday? I mean, Joe Willock starting was a huge surprise. Whether that was intentional, I don't know. But um, your your thoughts heading into the game and after seeing the game, do you, do you think you got the team right? Um, look, the the big surprise, and there was a huge there was a huge roar. I remember coming out of um, coming out the station. I'd never been to Pickard Road before, so it was it was new a new experience to me uh, going through the the town centre up to Vicarage Road and I think it was the away pub, the Moons, where all the Newcastle fans were in and it was bang on two o'clock and all we heard was this big eruption uh, coming from the Moons pub and and uh, it, it flicked up on my phone and then the first person I saw on the team sheet was Willock and I thought, wow, like, that's big. And, you know, from him, from Bruce saying that potentially he was going to be out of the Wolves game to then him actually being in the team, it just lifted, the, it lifted it lifted everybody, you know, the, the fans bounced into the stadium because he literally gave us a little bit of hope. Um, you know, I think it, whether it was the fact that Willett was playing or the fact that we knew Hendrick wouldn't be playing, I, I don't know what it was, but I, I'm going to go with the Willett situation, the fact that he was in there. It was a huge boost and it gave us a little bit of confidence that actually, you know, St Maximum would get a little bit of support up there. Um, we, we had someone with the legs in there because I was worried about on midfield um, being overran. Um and it was it was definitely a you know a good thing to have him in the team. The bits that I was concerned about, um, who was going to play in, uh, at the back line, Clark and Fernandez are you know okay defenders, but well Fernandez is a good defender. Clark for me is okay, but the, they lack pace. And coming up against Dennis, I thought you know have we have we not got this right here, um, Matt Ritchie was another one playing left back. I thought, you know, I've been crying out for Jamal Lewis to play and I thought this would, would be the game for him to play, to be able to match him athletically. You know, he's not the most amazing defender, but if he can match him athletically, he can stop him making those really like powerful runs which in which he gets their team up the pitch. Um, in midfield... I was I was okay with the midfield because Willett was in there. I knew we'd have legs in there. Um, I was didn't I don't know what what type of performance I'm going to get from Longstaff from one game to the other. He played okay against Leeds. I didn't know how he was going to play um, on Saturday. So it's always it's always kind of guesswork really. Um, and then the front line is what it was. You know, with, with Joe Linton playing off the left, set Maxi, um, and through the middle. So um, I thought. You know, he talked about a change in the team. We needed to change something. Um, I was hoping we were going to be more attacking, um, and it proved to be the case. So I can't argue the lineup, and I can't argue the style of play, um, because ultimately, it, it, you know, for long parts, it, it worked. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think whenever I see us playing four at the back, and listen, I've said in this podcast numerous times before, Newcastle's problem problems under Steve Bruce is not how many centre-backs they play at the back. The, the problems are far bigger than that. However, 
Um, I've done these stats numerous times. Newcastle's win percentage under Bruce. Newcastle have only won 14 of the 51 games that Bruce has played with a with a back three or a back five, whatever you want to say. It's, it, you know, the, the results with a back four, they're skewed slightly because when Bruce is willing to play a back four, it tends to be against lesser sides. So that doesn't prove everything, but I, I don't have the exact figures. I, I tweeted them on Friday, but I can't remember. But it's much, much better. It's like way better playing a back four. So, and, and I said this against Leeds in the second half against Leeds, the, the players just seemed more comfortable. They had more space, they had more time, they went on top of each other. I think Isaac Hayden, like, I've been really critical of Hayden a lot since Bruce came in. When he plays in that role with, with Longstaff yesterday, he just looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he, he knows where he's supposed to be, who he's supposed to tackle, who he's supposed to, to close. Second half, he was driving the ball forward. You don't get any of that from him when he's playing in a midfield three, almost as a, if he's not playing at centre-back, he's playing as like a sixth centre-back because he's so on the toes of the back, the three centre-backs behind him. So so that's, that's a definite improvement for me. Where I am concerned is, once again, I think we're playing our best player out of position in St. Maximum. And that, as people don't need me to say, doesn't mean he doesn't have a positive output because he so clearly does. It just means, would the team have more balance? Would St. Maximum do even more if he was playing on the left-hand side and said, Joe Linton? I saw a funny comment on Twitter. I'm not going to embarrass the person who said it. Who, who, you know, these, um, these Joe Linton fans that are out there said, Joe Linton um, was always signed as a left-winger. And he's finally being played with us. Like what? So in summer 2019, Newcastle went out and broke their transfer record twice for players that play in the same position to compete against each other left wing. I don't think so. Um, he was signed as a striker. Um, not that necessarily his fault, but but he was. You know, I think you get more from Joe Linton um, in the left-hand position than you do as a striker. I also think you get the most from Joe Linton playing behind the striker through the middle, but that's definitely open to interpretation. You know, I, I, I'm frustrated because I think St. Maximin does all his best work outside of the box in general. Just some great things in the box too. Scores some good goals. But if we had a striker playing yesterday, and this this is where Bruce opens himself up to criticism. He gave Dwight Gale a new contract. He is the one who has continually said how much he rates Gale, how much he wants to play him. He's had eight minutes and four touches of Premier League football this season after coming on yesterday. If we had had a striker with some of the the chances that were created, I think, would have won the game. So I think Bruce has cost us the game there with that team selection. I think when Gale came on, there was a chance towards the end of the game when he was in the box and it was maybe Richie who flashed flashed a, a, a ball across the face. We didn't get to Gale, but just by having someone in the box, because the Maximan constantly is outside the box looking yeah. for the ball, just by having someone in the box, we won a corner. And we won a lot of corners yesterday, but we won a corner. And it was like, wow, I've just seen what I would expect to see when Wilson's playing. You know, player in the box making a run, player putting a cross in. That that doesn't happen for the rest of the game because because we're so imbalanced. So even in the positives of the better performance and the better you know, 20 shots on goal we had yesterday, um, which for us is, is, well, I'm going to imagine in the Premier League that will comfortably be a best under Bruce in this whole time. Yeah, I don't even need to check the stats for that. Um, so even in the, the positives, there's a, there's there's still those what ifs, and you do you know when Liverpool go to Brentford, you know their their fans aren't thinking what if we picked our best team up. When you know Villa go to Man United and win, it's like no, the the, the managers pick the best team, they, they pick obvious, you know, obvious players in obvious positions. Two positives, real positives yesterday, that I want to put to you for your thoughts from in the ground. Miguel Almiron, best game for ages for Newcastle. 
played in attacking position, playing in attacking part of the pitch, shock. Joe Willock, who since he signed, hasn't looked the same player as last season. He hasn't had the confidence or he hasn't had the fitness, whatever way you want to put it, or he hasn't had the, the role in the team that we thought he would. Yesterday, he was a constant thorn in Watford's side. He drove the team forward. I thought he was magnificent. What's your thoughts on both of those, those two players, mate? Outstanding, both of them. Very, very good performances. Um, and they they set the tone. Both Almiron and uh, and Wilson set the tone. It was very clear how our midfield was set up. It was set up with Hayden to sit in front of the centre-backs. And is it was as if to say, right, um, Almiron, uh, Willock, you push forward. So when St. Maxim was pressing through the middle, you had Almiron on the left-hand side, you had Willock on the right-hand side, and they would press high up the pitch, and they would press those centre midfielders either side uh, and try and commit them early on to make a mistake. And time after time, um, they were winning, uh, winning the ball back just by being that constant pressure. However, when on the ball, they were even better. The one thing I want to see from my midfielders, particularly my attacking midfielders, is exactly what you just said, Alex, drive. I want those guys to drive forward with the ball. They're both very good dribblers of the ball. They're both very good runners of the ball. But we never see them travel distances um, and actually attack players. They'll travel distances without being... um, without sort of being tackled or without being approached. But these guys were really forcing what the Watford defence back and they didn't know what to do. They were getting in and behind. They were linking well with Alan at Maximin. It was good. It was really, really good. And like you said, shock that when you play them in their actual positions that you get better performances from them. Um, and that's really more so from Miguel Miron. Um, I think it's been clear to see right from you know um, Willock's first game at the club when he, since he came back is that he's not been fit. I don't think he's been confident. I think he's very, very confident in his ability. Um, I, I think he's he's just not been fit. I think the um, the Leeds game was a game where I thought, right, okay, the tide's turning now. He's picking up his match fitness. He looks fitter. Um, yesterday, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He looked 100% match sharp, match fit. I was worried after about maybe 25, 30 minutes because I think it was Kuchka, their defensive midfielder, stood on his toe and there was a break in play and he took his boot off and went down and you could hear the, the, the kind of the, the, the away end kind of like hold their breath thinking, oh, please don't go off because he was playing so well. But luckily, he just had to readjust his boot. I think he had some sort of protection put in there, readjusted his boot and he was back up. And he was just, it was just a pleasure to see. He didn't really have too many chances on goal. There was, there was a chance in the second half where I think he was put through from by ASM and Foster made a good save um, but other than that he didn't have too many chances on goal neither did Miggy but like I say they were a thorn in the side of Watford they couldn't handle um, their pace and their drive and it was really really good to see and again that just kind of you know fills me with a little bit of confidence that these guys finding form can only be a good thing for us going into the games coming up Yeah I thought that the um, foul on Almiron yesterday, as I heard you say in the Match Day podcast for patrons, I'm shocked that that wasn't a red card. No one was catching him. He was going in the box. No one was going to catch him. Oh, Newcastle were hard done by. Yeah, I, take, you know, I know you honestly, agree. 
I, I went mad and like <laughs> clearly you've you've heard me. I was I was adamant that should have been at least a red card. I thought I thought it I thought it was a penalty initially, but it was just outside. But actually, he if if he's not brought down, he's in on goal. Yeah, he's in he's in one on one on goal. And he's coming in on his left-hand side, which is his favourite side. You've got a great chance of a score in there. He has to go. He has to be sent off. It's it was it was a it was an intentional foul to bring him down as the last man. All Miguel had to do was beat the goalkeeper. So again, it was a poor, poor decision. I don't think the ref had a great game. If I'm honest, I think he made some bad decisions in the game. Um, most of them went went against us. Um, we were fortunate enough to get the obviously the offside later on in, in in the second half, but I don't think he had a great game. Um, I think it, it, in in those big moments he made bad mistakes. I think he he booked Richie or he booked he, he booked one of our players. I think it was Mankilio actually. After about five minutes for a nothing tackle, yeah. an absolute nothing tackle, he set, he set the tone then because he had to then go and book one of their players about five or ten minutes later for exactly the same thing. And he, he just, I think he got the tone of the game wrong and he just kind of, it just snowballed into an absolute shit show. So the ref didn't help in that situation either. I totally agree. It was uh, it was his first game in the Premier League. He was the first overseas referee to take a Premier League game. He's managing the Football League, obviously, but I felt that inexperience for the reason you just said was throughout. You know, I think Mancure actually got booked after the first Wolves player got booked. It was like, well, I've done him, so I'm going to do you. I think all four fullbacks in the game ended up getting booked for things that were very harsh, but because one, once he did the first one, he, he just had to follow through in the rest of them. Um, as it happens, just really quickly on Mankio, I thought he had a, I thought he had an excellent game again. His his defensive stability, right? It, it was I don't know if it was one one. It was either one nil to us or one one. It looked like they were going to score. It looked like one of their one of their players was past him, and he stayed on his feet. He stayed on his feet. He blocked the shot. He won the ball. And I just thought, like Jacob Murphy, who we're going to mention later, I just thought the, this this is all this all comes back to these niggling issues that you have as a fan about Bruce. Why didn't Mankio start the season? He's clearly the superior defender to Jacob Murphy. Like it's not even a comment on Murphy that is because Mankio is just is just a is what he's done all his career. It's very frustrating. Back to the, the the two players though, mate. It's funny, isn't it? Because we're full of praise for Miguel Almiron and, and Joe Wallach, and rightly so. Who was at fault for the goal? Almiron gives away a, a needless corner, which which happens. I, I don't blame him for the goal because players sometimes concede corners. You could ask the question: Miguel Almiron is is an attacking player. He's back there. He's helping out. He's trying to to win to win a goal kick, and he and he kicks it straight out of play, unfortunately. And then Willock loses his man. Um, he loses Saar for the goal, which again. Should Willock be marking their most dangerous player from a corner? There are questions to be to be asked there, but concede it's a really, really poor goal to concede. It was very disappointing that you know that after having the ascendancy for so long in the game. But again, we we'll keep we we'll keep going back to it. These are all the hallmarks of struggling teams, of relegated teams who who switch off, who you know who concede simple goals from set pieces. You know, really disappointing on that front. Um, we'll have to move on to uh, to part two of the show. Um, we're going to do that right after this. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Final part of the show, part three. Um, Pete, you were at Watford yesterday. Just describe describe your day for the listeners in the away end. Yeah, it was a great day. Um, the travel down was um, w- w- was very very good. Um, again, it was a it was a it's a ground I've never been to before, so it was interesting to see you know to to be in Vicarage Road to you know you see it on the TV, but it was nice to kind of be in there and feel the atmosphere in and around things. Very, very friendly home fans, uh, very, very friendly, um, helped us out in terms of, you know, finding where to go, and what to do. Um, very, very supportive of us. Um, talking to a lot of fans, they 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 understood the predicament that we're in. They love Newcastle. Um, you know, they love coming up to St James's Park. They they couldn't, they had really lots and lots of positives to talk about as we're, we're still seeing Although we're not right now, we're still seen as a massive club. And that was the thing that by speaking to a lot of Watford fans that was really coming true is that they really do, you know, still value us as one of the top clubs in the Premier League. Um, it was a great day. The uh, You know, I talked about Old Trafford when, you you know, when you get a, a, a sense, a feel that, that the fans are going to be on it today, that they're really up for it. That Willock news really changed the tide. I don't think the fans were as bubbly up until that point. That big roar that we got when we saw that Willock was in the team really gave gave us the em- the emphasis and we bounced into the stadium. Normally on the concourse, when we get into there, a lot of people are hanging around. The Newcastle fans weren't happy and I was pre-warned about this, is that the, um, the bar was closed. They closed it off. So no one was allowed to drink in there. So they were not happy. But what it did, it made everyone go to their seats earlier. So we were able to really drum up an atmosphere uh, before the players came out, and you could tell the the, the players really appreciated it. Um, every single one of them gave us a, a, an applause before the game started because we were the only ones making noise. Watford was quiet as a mouse for the whole game. The only time they did um, cheer of any note was when they equalised. Um, the fans were good. Where we were, we we backed the boys right from the beginning, um, and. We, we did that for 94 minutes. Um, they didn't quite back Bruce in the same way. Um, and I was, I'll was i be honest, I was surprised to hear it um, after three minutes. Uh, nothing had happened in the game, uh, really. But all, very, very early on, the Bruce chance come out uh, that they won him out of the club. And I remember turning to my mate at the time and saying, um, it doesn't matter what he does, he's not wanted here. 
it was very, very clear to see. Um, that's not the first time now. It happened at Old Trafford. It's happened again um, yesterday. And I fully expect it to be chanted again at Molyneux um, next Saturday. The fans don't want him at the club. It's quite simple. Um, and I think after the first round of uh, the first two rounds of chanting, it actually made Steve Bruce go and sit down. Um, he when he when he heard the third round of chanting begin. He, he went and sat down and he spent a significant time um, sitting down and, and Graham Jones came up for a little bit and, and kind of was organising and, and doing instructions. But it was a really, really good day. Um, a real sort of like good feel around the stadium. Um, lots and lots of chanting, lots and lots of support. We went absolutely crackers when we scored. It was a fantastic goal from Sean Longstaff. Um, and, you know, it was just great to see all the all the fans in unison like Newcastle fans are like no other you know it doesn't matter you could go to that you could go to a Newcastle game on your own and you'll end up walking out with four or five mates because you've just been chatting and and socializing and and being together during the 90 minutes they're just some of the friendliest fans you'll ever meet um and and it was like that again we, we met a couple of guys that were sat either side of us and they were absolutely fantastic guys great to speak to um Spoke to another another guy who actually I don't know um, you might have heard it on the match day special. We we're talking at half time. He actually, you know, he knows that we, you know, on true faith and what we we're doing, and he was like really sort of positive and talking about you know what we're doing, and he was looking forward to, to to hearing the match day special. So again, real great feel in the stadium. It was great to be at another away game. Again, just really really disappointed that we didn't get the the, the result to kind of put the cherry on top. Yeah, sounds like a good day. I mean, they are good days, despite the football, because of the football, whatever. You know, I'm at Wolves next week. I'm really looking forward to going to the game. I think your comments there about Bruce's time just being done, um, I agree with you. Um, I think, I mean, you know, Gary Neville asked me this last week, can you win around the fans? And I always think, if you win games... Win some games and then worry about it. Bruce's problem is, like you've just said, I was at Villa, and although the Brucey out chants weren't starting at Villa, there was a there was a lot of discontent towards the manager. The team were booed off at full time by the away end, which is a very rare thing to happen. Um, at Man United, at Southampton, you know the, the games are dragging on and on, and he's just not winning games. And you know Bruce's post match comments yesterday, he says. Uh, you know, you need to get a win to turn the corner. But I thought we played well against Leeds. For an hour against Man U, I thought we played well for large parts against Aston Villa. I wonder if he's got the wrong team there, Villa, because yeah. we didn't play well against Villa. I think he means Southampton, maybe, because yeah. there is no there is no one in that away end that day, or home end for that matter, who came out of that game thinking I thought Newcastle played well. Just just yeah. just risible. Neither of those games, Southampton yeah. or Aston Villa. I thought we 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 were dreadful in both. So how he feels that there's, you know, there, there was even a half decent performance in any of those two fixtures, you know, regardless of the fact of us being a, a minute away of getting a a win against Southampton, I argued I argued it and I put something out there after the Southampton game. We we wouldn't have deserved it because we didn't play well enough. Um, so I, I don't really get what Bruce is trying to say there. But look, Bruce could go on a run now, seven or eight, seven or eight games uh, unbeaten, uh, and, and win all of them. It wouldn't change anyone's opinion of Steve Bruce. They don't like him. They want him out. He had his opportunity to really get behind the the, the fans and and you know try and sort of build a relationship with them. Um, but 
in my opinion, he lost that when he started um, shitting on the fans uh, way back last Christmas when we got knocked out to Brentford's reserves um, in, in the quarterfinals of the Cup. Um, and he starts talking about histrionics and he starts talking about all the other things with regards to the, the fans and, and how they are. Um, you know, you've lost the, he lost the fans at that moment. Um, he lost the fans when he lost at Bramwell Lane um, in a dreadful performance against a team that hadn't won in 20. You know, he lost his, 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 uh, in terms of backing him way back then. And he hasn't done anything, in my opinion, to, to get that back. And I don't believe he will. I mean, I know you made the point, you know, to Gary Neville that you think any, any, you know, any manager is capable of winning back the fans. Any manager, bar Steve Bruce. <laughs> No, they're, they're good points. And, and this is the thing. Steve Bruce consistently says the job is difficult. It's a difficult job. It's a difficult club. And it's like, well, you know, when Leeds, Watford, Villa, when Bruce took the job in the Premier League for in the cast in 2019, none of those clubs were Premier League clubs. And and we've we've played all three of them this season and haven't looked like winning bar maybe yesterday. And then we could have lost that in the last minute. So... It's it's just it's just this it's the same old, isn't it? Like I, I know we could go we could win at Wolves. Wolves aren't great. I mean, I, I don't know if they're playing right now. Possibly yeah, nil. But um yeah. it's nil-nil. But we could go and win at Wolves. You saw yesterday we've got good players, we've got players who would get in Wolves team. Some of Wolves players would get in our team. So it can happen, but it's the longer trend, isn't it? It's the fact that when we get to December against, you know, what is it, Leicester, Liverpool. Man City, Man United, yeah. that little run of fixtures there, which is a horror run for anyone in the Premier League, even if you're Man City, that's a tough run of fixtures. Um, regardless of what happened in previous games and formations, I know how those games are going to go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we we all know sat here how those how those games are going. We aren't going to win any of them. Uh, we're going to play badly, and Bruce, um, if we only lose by a couple of goals or even by three goals in one of those games, we'll talk about positives. And this this is the issue. Bruce builds his own narrative that fans just can't reconcile. So even if you're one of the people who who, who worries about who they'd appoint in his stead if he was sacked, who worries about um, Jones taking the job, it doesn't matter how pro-Bruce you want to be. Like I've just said to you, Bruce has come out post-match and said Newcastle played well at Aston Villa. That's a lie. He's either mistaken, which is not good enough, which other you don't hear other Premier League managers do, or he's just he's lying to the fans, he's lying to himself. You know, saying that we'll play, play well for an hour at Man United, like it's a bit of an embarrassing thing to say when you get beat 4 1. It's like Norman is in this podcast repeatedly says, Bruce, like we'll play half an hour here, 45 minutes there. We played well for a half against Leeds. Like, yeah, but games don't last one half or one hour. Like, it's his job to consistency. And even yesterday, um, you know, Newcastle were excellent for an hour. And then Watford come back into it. And then once Watford score, Watford, you know, was it the 79th minute or something like that? 78th minute? Watford are the ones who look like they're going to win the game. And it's like, well, if you if you put in a, a performance across 90 minutes, Steve, and you've made substitutions, like a lot of people think taking Almiron off was moronic, considering how well he was playing. Joe Linton got a full game, which is, you know, very standard. People kind of view Bruce as a player who punishes players, a manager, sorry, who punishes players. So Almiron concedes the corner. You're, you're straight off after that. Whether that's true or not, you don't know because you don't know how Elmeron was feeling, but Bruce has made so many bad subs for so long and makes his subs so late. I think Watford had made all four. Yes, they got four substitutions yesterday because one of them was a concussion sub, so you don't lose the other player. Mm -hmm. Watford had made 
all four substitutions, just like Bielsa the previous week. I think it nearly made all three substitutions before Bruce tries to impact the game. And that's the that's where the frustration comes. It doesn't matter how well we're playing individual hours or individual halves of games with Bruce, the other manager and the other team is always going to have a slight tactical advantage in the way they set the team up, the way that they pick the best players in their proper positions, the way that they make substitutions early to try and change games, which fair play to Watford happened yesterday and their manager, Bruce is always going to have that against them. No matter how many, it doesn't matter if Newcastle win at Wolves, it doesn't matter if they do well against Spurs, and it doesn't matter if we're sat here in a few, before we play Chelsea, having lost one in seven games. My opinion is Bruce is still the same manager all of the flaws that I'm talking about will still be there, unfortunately. Reactive, not proactive. Um, that is that is the best way to des- describe Steve Bruce. You know, we've talked about it with the, with his formation, with the four at the back, five at the back. It's a reactive thing. It's not a proactive. If it was a proactive thing, we'd have been playing four at the back now for um, for for the last year and a bit. Um, he, he would have been. He, he would have enforced a new style of play with a new identity on this team. The, the as I've said before, the reason being is because he doesn't know what he's going to do himself. Um, and when you're a manager that doesn't know what you're going to do from week to week, how are your players going to know what to do from week to week? Um, they're they're second guessing themselves. They're they're living under an assumption that certain things are going to happen. Um, you know, you're absolutely right. When 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 Almiron and, and, and Willock um, both went off, you know, the intensity of our game disappeared. You know, it was only really a last bit of last minute bit of magic from ASM that puts Joe, uh, Jacob Murphy through. Because up until that point, we didn't look like we were going to score at that point when those two players came off the pitch. Um, but he created one last bit of magic, which really should have won us the game, and it, and, and it didn't, unfortunately. But that's. That's the that's the team and that's the manager that we're under right now. Um, and I don't know where we go next. Well, we'll go to Wolves. Um, that's what that's what he just has to win at Wolves. You know, I think he. I I don't think we'll win at Wolves. I think he should be sacked in the international break. It's a perfect time. I think if we lose at Wolves, he won't be sacked because we aren't cut, cut off at the bottom. In fact, we're outside the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the club look at it. I think as much as what other clubs do dictate the club's decision, if Newcastle are still sat here after 10 games without a win or have won one of their first 10, but are in touching distance or two points off 16, he keeps his job. However, if we're five points off 17th at that point, he'll get sacked. And that's a really depressing way to, to run your football club. But it is it just is what it is. We all know the reasons why. Um, Murphy at the end getting a lot of stick today rightly so i think the frustration for me pete is that if he if he shoots and the keeper saves it a bit like willock chance willock goes through one on one it's at an angle keeper makes a great save you're just like all right well we'll keep it makes a great save that can happen but but even if ben foster hadn't touched that ball it wouldn't have gone in it wasn't a shot on target it was, i don't know what it was from murphy i think he gets caught in two minds he wants to chip it earlier he's 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 probably just not good enough to, to play consistently in the Premier League, and he, he's gonna he's gonna do some good things for Newcastle if he gets games, but he's also gonna do some very bad things, and that's why before Bruce came in, he was just on loan at various Championship teams, I suppose. But we'll, sorry, I mean after you, final point. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, um, I always I always look at certain players um, in how they perform, and look at not just look at their performances on the pitch, but look at the bigger picture. 
And I look at the bigger picture with Jacob Murphy. And don't get me wrong, he had a good end to the season and deserved a new contract. But why was he putting those performances in? And it's because his contract was out in the summer. He was, you know, he or, or was very close to being out. He he didn't have a future at the club. He was fighting for his future. So therefore, it kind of makes me think, is that because of the performances that we're seeing? I would argue, is that why we're seeing the same, some similar performances from Sean Longstaff, whose contract is out in the summer? Is this why we're seeing that? Is he trying to win a new deal for us? Or is he looking to put himself in the shop window elsewhere? And I always look at these performances and ultimately, first and foremost, as long as they're performing and we're getting results, great. But I always look at some of these performances and think, why were they so good when they weren't previously? Um, and there's always a reason behind it. And I suppose we can maybe get into that on another time. But with, with Jacob Murphy, he's tried it before. We scored it against Man City away a couple of years ago. Um, and... and for the life of me, I don't understand why he's done that. It was dreadful. You're the last minute of the game. You've got an opportunity to win the game for your team. Just hit the ball. Just hit it. That, that's that's all you're asking for. If he hit, if he smashes that ball and it ricochets off Ben Foster and goes in, great. If it ricochets off him and goes for a corner or he makes a fantastic save, you can't argue that. You talked about the Willett challenge. That's exactly what it was, you know. He just hit it as hard as he could and he made the keeper work. We would we would be okay with that. But when you're trying to do tricks like that in the 94th minute, when there was no time left to play, you have a chance to win three points for your team. Like, I I, I, I was in disbelief that he even tried that. I had my, had my hands on my head for five minutes after that game. I was in absolute disbelief. Alan St. Maximum's reaction to that says it all. He just fell to the ground. And he had his hands on his head on the ground, literally lying down on the ground like this. He couldn't believe it himself. He he was fantastic to get us in a position to put him through one-on-one. And for all that hard work, that's what he gets on the end of it. And, he's, you know, he, it's just so frustrating. And he can, he can have no arguments at the moment as to why he's on the bench. Um, you know, he really needs to put in another performance now to win us back on side because he did apologise to us at the end. He was the first person to come over and put his hands up. And to be fair, I thought the fans were a little bit more respectful than I thought they were going to be because we were we were in disbelief and we were not happy with with that finish. Um, but we he got a, he got an applause back and that was that. But he really needs to dig out the performance and do something to to repay. Uh, his his players, his his fellow teammates, and the fans because that just wasn't good enough. Well said, totally agree. This has been the True Faith podcast. We will be back, of course, on this the free podcast next Sunday after Newcastle United have hopefully hopefully beaten Wolves. Uh, before then, we'll have lots. We'll have a Wolves preview. We'll have all sorts of shows this week uh, for True Faith on our Patreon platform. So get involved for five pound fifty a month if you don't already. Pete, thank you, mate. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening. Speak to you all very soon, I'm sure. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.